0: Because I think in many ways it's, uh, it's a timely subject and it's one that the Lord is giving emphasis to. Much of what has been preached here the last few weeks has been talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So my message today is called Follow the Leader. And, um, you know, um, I think we've underestimated the significance of the Holy Spirit. A, Jesus died, amen? He was crucified for our benefit he rose again and uh, he has prepared us for eternity but we're still here and what is the reason behind that why is that important while we're still here uh, because he has sent his holy spirit so the the significant thing is that he has sent his holy spirit and that is why jesus died and why we are still here that's how important the holy spirit is and it's out of the goodness of the Father that Jesus said, I'm going to the Father and I will ask him. And he will send you the promise, namely the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the Holy Spirit is not just a little uh, thing that we add to our experience uh, checklist. Um, it is, he is the most significant thing that can happen to your life. His presence is the most significant thing that can happen to your life. And I think right now this is particularly important. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, I want to know you better. I want to understand. I want to hear you better. I want to be able to follow your spirit. I want to follow the leader. I want to follow you. And I want to know that you're right. And this is a, I want to know what you are saying. And, uh, you know, I'm being challenged by that because many of the people that I've had a high degree of esteem for actually got some things wrong and uh they're no better than i'm no better than them i'm less than them they know more than i did and yet they got some things wrong so what does that tell me well i need a lot better hearing aid i need to be able to hear the holy spirit so in humility i'm asking the lord lord help me hear you better help me follow you better help me know you better this is particularly important right now. And I, I love the song that was being sung. Many people are asking questions. He has the answer. And so we need to be able to receive from him in a, in a very significant way. We're living in very, very dangerous times. How many people know that? This is a dangerous times where we're heading into the unknown. We don't really know where things are going. And the whole world is sitting on the Titanic. And questioning whether or not the lifeboats are safe. And then the Titanic, when it was going down, they all, the band played Nearer My God to Thee. Well, I'd like to play that before the Titanic sinks, if you don't mind. And I want to get nearer to the Lord right now. So I've been asking the Lord, look, Lord, I need to understand better how to come near to you. What do I need to do? And so, of course, I look at it from the scripture. But the Lord also gives parables. How many people know that Jesus still speaks in parables? Sophia took my phone. Oh, you got it? you Turn it on for me. I'll uh, bring it here. Uh, how many people have heard of Wi Fi? How many people have not heard of Wi Fi? Look at that, eh? Yeah. How many people are under 24 in this room? <laughs> I suspect that none of you are under 24. Did you know that Wi-Fi only came into existence in 1997? 1997. Uh, And that's when they they brought it into being. Uh, So if you're under 24, or if you're over 24, it's in your lifetime that this has come into being. Yet now, everybody in the entire world knows what Wi-Fi is. Do you know what Wi-Fi stands for? Wireless Fidelity. You know what fidelity means? Faithfulness. Wireless faithfulness. Well, what a good parable for understanding the Holy Spirit. A, it's without wires. <laughs> uh, and he's faithful. Hallelujah. Here's you want another little fun factoid? Here's a fun factoid. Do you know who invented? Who, it was uh, invented, actually. The underlying... Uh, uh, Technology behind Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth—all this was invented by Hetty Lamar. She was a Australian-born actress who played Delilah in *Samson and Delilah*. But on the side, she was an inventor, and she invented this uh, process called frequency hopping, which is which she patented and which is behind Wi-Fi. So it was produced by a woman. All the ladies say hallelujah. <laughs> so that's a little factoid that has, yeah, have, that has nothing to do with what I'm speaking about, but I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so she invented that during the Second World War. And, um, and so that's used today. So Wi-Fi is everywhere. How do you, you know there's Wi-Fi in this entire building? Did you know that? You can see it on the screen on the back when you come in the door. It's Wi-Fi here. Do you see it? Do you hear it? Can you feel it? Can you smell it? Can you taste it? Well, then how do you know it's here? I thought it was only what you can see and hear and see. that's the only thing that really is it real? Is Wi-Fi real? How do you know? Well, go to the next screen, please. Oh, I'm doing that. Sorry. I have to be retrained. What's happening? All right, put it on the next one. There we go. See that little bar there? Take out your cell phone. Take out your smartphone. If you have it there. Have a look at it. Do you have one of those? And that's how you know that you have Wi-Fi. Because the little symbol here says that you do. What do you need to be able to determine that you actually have Wi-Fi? Well, you need the smartphone. You need a device. You need something that is designed to connect with that particular signal. And then when you're here... You need to have access. So you have the signal, and then you have to have access, which means you need a, uh, a password. And it's at the back. So you have, a, you have the device, and you have access. And you know what the last thing you need? You need to take it out of your pocket before you can actually use it. So that's really a good little parable about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, first of all, is high fidelity. He's got a lot of faithfulness, and he's everywhere. You can't see him. You can't touch him. You can't, he's not physical in that sense, but he's nevertheless here. How do you know he's here? Well, you, have, you are an instrument designed to connect with the Holy Spirit. And you need to have access. How do you get the password? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved, and he will send you the Holy Spirit. So you have, in fact, being born again. When you're born again of the Spirit, you are designed to communicate with the Holy Spirit. And you have access because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the life of Christ, you have access to the Holy Spirit. The last thing you need to do is take it out of your pocket and engage this is where most of us kind of fall short of learning how to use the Holy Spirit in an appropriate way. We need to engage with them. The more we engage with them, the better you get at it. The more you learn, the more you understand. And, uh, and so that access enables us to engage with the Holy Spirit. So the, the big, part, big step in knowing where to go from here is engagement. Not going through life ignoring, keeping him in your pocket, so to speak, but really engaging with the Holy Spirit in every domain. Right now, we use our Wi-Fi for almost everything you can imagine. I use it for my banking. I use it to call people. I can call, I can call Margaret in Britain. She's probably listening right now. I can call Margaret in Britain, and it won't cost me anything because of Wi-Fi. We can do Facebook because of Wi-Fi. I can print out my notes because of Wi-Fi. All these things we use continually in every way. Well, we use that technology easily, even though it's only been around for a few years. Well, we can use the Holy Spirit. We can come into relationship with Him and use Him in a lot of domains, in a lot of areas. And God's interest is for us to use Him in a continual fashion. And listen, the technology of the Holy Spirit is not as complicated as Wi-Fi. (laughs) You have to worry, but it's not all that fidelity. (laughs) Sometimes it goes down. But uh, with the Lord, he's always present. The other wonderful thing is when I come in this building, Wi-Fi comes on automatically. When I'm in the presence of Wi-Fi in this building, my phone turns on with that. It's available to me right away. When I come into the presence of God, you need to be pre-programmed to turn on. So we need to be ready always to engage with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Deliberately engage with him. And I think that's part of the practice that we need to, to, to first of all, commit to doing that. Now, uh, go to the next. Where did Brian go? Next slide. Oh. Where is he? <laughs> oh, there they are. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is on a mission. He's on a mission. He's an important, he's here for a reason. And he's on a mission and we're joining in that we are his mission. We are, he, he's here on a mission. He's here to uh, lead us into all truth as we read in that first passage in John 16, John 16. He's here to lead us into all truth. Truth is more than a theory. Jesus said, I am the truth. So it's more than a theory. It is uh, even more than a practice. It, it is more than, it, there's, ex, there's truth which we receive by experience and by joining in with him. So it's a theology and an experience. Uh, we've been around a long time, I've been around a long time in this uh, and um, in, the, in the church business and in the Lord's business and I've seen a lot and therefore I know a lot. How do I know a lot? Because I've, I've uh, experienced a lot you've experienced the holy spirit when you're born again a lot of people who are when you're first born again that sometimes you have this dramatic supernatural experience of the holy spirit coming into your life how many people have experienced that and if you haven't then you can ask him and you can be baptized in the holy spirit what does that mean you are you're thrown into the deep end and all of a sudden you're thrown into the deep end and you're out of your depth And you know that you're moving this massive stream of power and force that's in the Holy Spirit. And it's like, whoa, this is amazing. And uh, not everybody has that experience right off the bat. Sometimes you you begin, it's like going to the river. And you're going in and you're putting your foot in. Some people put their foot in first. Some people walk in slowly. Other people, like Joel's children, just jump right in to the deep end. Uh, And... Uh, we could find the Lord either way. But uh, the, the wonderful thing is that there's a depth in God that we can find all of us, whether you're going quickly or slowly, move towards the depth that is in Him. And uh, that's significant for absolutely everything. He's responsible for our new birth experience, He's, he's responsible for our personal uh, uh, character development. He's here to develop us, prepare us for eternity. Uh, He is here for our sanctification, he's here for our health and our well-being, he's here to administer uh, uh, everything related to our particular life, and it's in this experience that we actually can find the Lord in every domain. So when we have questions, we know who to ask, and we move along in that way. So I think we're grasping the importance and significance of everything that is related to the Holy Spirit, who's here on this wonderful mission. And we deliberately engage with him. So how do we, uh, when we're engaging with the Lord, it's a bit of a teaching moment today. All right. So uh, we'll we'll get excited in a minute. But uh, I'm pretty excited because I I know we're going to experience the Lord in a way that we've never had him before. Because, yes, there are new challenges today, but there's a new grace in God. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And we have, an, we have the possibility of an experience in our day uh, that I believe is going to be in, uh, amazing. So that's, that's my quest. I'm, in a, I'm in a, on a mission myself to find uh, the depth of the Holy Spirit. So how do we engage with the Holy Spirit? Well, it begins with our heart. Everything is related to our heart because he's a person. Um. Sometimes we get a little bit um, off track because he's called the Holy Spirit. So you don't, you think of him like Wi-Fi. Well, he's more than Wi-Fi. He's a person. And he's actually, so we call him the Holy Spirit, and that makes us think of him as a thing or as a something or of, uh, of an influence or whatever, the Holy Spirit. is kind of impersonal, isn't it? Um, but I think of it a bit like calling the queen. I don't call her Elizabeth, but I call her the queen. Because it's a title. So, yes, we're honoring the Holy Spirit by calling him the Holy Spirit. That is his title. That's his proper title. Uh, But I was asking the Lord, Lord, you're a person. I want to know you in a personal way. How do I do that? What do I call you? And he said, uh, this is what he told me. I don't know whether you'll accept it or not. But he said, you can call me Jesus. Or you can call me Father. Or you can call me Holy Spirit. Because we're all one. And even though there are there there are there are three persons, and so but they're all one, and so we can call we can call upon his name. We call upon the name of Jesus. We are actually calling on the spirit of Jesus. So you know we don't need to be confused with the theology of it, uh, but I think we need to engage with him on a personal level. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I think I'm speaking from my heart. Uh, I need to engage with him on a personal level. Very often it can be just a theory and a theology or a teaching or or whatever. But I say, Holy Spirit, uh, I I need to know you. What are we doing today? Uh, What do I do about this? And so um, usually when I pray like that, I'm thinking I'm praying to Jesus, which is also true. But it's the spirit of Jesus that's in all of us. And so we can call upon him in that way. And so I think, first of all, we need the heart is recognizing that he's a person and joining with him heart to heart. And uh, that he's he's a person who's interested in everything about us. We'll go to the next slide. So it's a heart issue. And we're engaging with him heart to heart. Uh, heart is the is the true essence of what you are. It's who you really are. That defines your heart. And so we have to have a uh, our heart is a significant part. Our heart means that we join with him. First of all, by our will, we decide to, to follow him. And then we also join with him through our emotion, love, joy, peace, and so on. That's all part of a. We want to join with him in an emotional, at an emotional level. And whatsoever is good, think on these things. We want our mind to be renewed by him also. But all of those are really a heart issue. It defines who you really are. So I think as we begin to engage with the Holy Spirit, we can expect him to affect every part of our being. Nothing wrong with being emotional in church. Nothing wrong with having our thoughts focused on the Lord. So you seek the things above where he is seated. Those are all a- avenues whereby we can engage with him in a more great way. Anyway, I want to move on to the last part here because that's... Uh, uh, so I was asking the Lord as I searched through the Scriptures, well, how do I engage in you more? So I found seven ways that we can engage with the Holy Spirit. So there won't be a test at the end of the day, but if you find any of them, you think if most of them are pretty straightforward. We'll go to the next one, please. Next slide. Seven ways to engage with the Holy Spirit. And the first one I think is pretty obvious, the one that we all know, and that is faith. But I want to clarify a little bit. Again, thinking of the Holy Spirit as a person, our faith is not in a faith in what we think. Or what our opinion is not faith that we're right It's faith that we have in Christ in Jesus himself. It's faith in the Lord. and I think that's an important distinction because sometimes we equate faith with being... Confident in what we're doing, confident that we're right. You know what? I have found by 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 experience that sometimes when I'm not all that confident in what I'm doing, God answers in a miraculous way. And I think like, okay, that doesn't add up. That's not part of the formula. But actually, it is because even when I'm not sure, I'm depending on the Lord. Do you get Do you get that? Because we we tend to think that faith is faith about claiming a certain thing or believing that we are right in this, and so we have faith and we become uh, intractable in that particular thing. You know what? I can be wrong. And I can always be wrong. You know why? Because we only know in part. We only see in part. We only hear in part. So the most important thing about faith is humility. I have to be humble that maybe I'm wrong. But this is what I understand, this is my conviction, this is what I believe, so I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to do it, not because I have faith in that, but I have faith in the Lord that even if I'm wrong, he'll still cover me. Because my faith is in the Lord, not in what I think. Uh, maybe it's me, but I, usually I could think about ten different things that could be true at the same time. I go, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's this. And it's terrible to live with uncertainty because at some point, you can't have paralysis by analysis. You have to decide to do something. So what do you do? Well, you do what you think is right, recognizing, I could be wrong, but Lord, I'm committing this to you. Hallelujah. One of the big debate. I'm going to throw this out. One of the big debates right now is about vaccination. Okay. Well, you know what? I understand both sides of that. At some point, you have to make a decision. So I made it. We made the decision. We're going to be vaccinated. I'm glad we did. We made that decision. We're going to do this. And I'm going to pray grace over it. Lord, bless this thing to my body. Maybe there are long-term effects, but at my age, that may not be so important. <laughs> Coming back to the Titanic, uh, little. Thing you know, I'm standing on the boat and it's sinking. Okay, I'm not going to worry about whether or not the lifeboat is safe, because it's safer than the boat that's sinking. I'm not going to go across the Atlantic in a lifeboat. I'm just going to wait till someone rescues me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you know, a lot of people debate over this, and I'm not trying to enter into the debate. It's your you you make your own decisions. Uh, but for me, when I make a choice, I commit it to the Lord because. Nothing in life is 100% sure. It's like, okay, uh, uh, to me, that's a, a duh. I commit myself to the Lord every day I get up. I can get in the car and, and get hit by a bus. How do I know? Well, I trust the Lord in all of that. And I do, whether I live or die. But, I, you know, given the preference, I prefer to live. Because there's fruitful labor. Anyway, I hope I've hammered that point enough, have I? Okay, here's the second thing. Worship. Why is worship? Without faith, you cannot please God. So therefore, you need that. Secondly, worship. Well, the Holy Spirit has come to do what? To glorify Jesus. So when we glorify him in our worship and in in all the things that we do, we're glorifying and giving him his due and putting him in the proper light. We're doing what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So obviously he's going to partner with us. That's why worship is so significant. Don't just wait till you get in church. Although I love corporate worship because I think the presence of the Lord is here in a powerful way when we do that. But even private worship is good. I feel the Lord when I'm in private worship. Hallelujah. And you don't have to have a great singing voice when you're in the shower, by the way. But you're glorifying Jesus. You're putting him in his true light. That's why worship is so significant and why the Holy Spirit is attracted when we worship. He draws near. And that's what we want. Because he doesn't come just to enjoy our worship. He comes to help us in lots of other ways. Right, here's the third one. Desire. He's attracted desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Uh, come unto me, all you who are thirsty, and I will give you water to drink. Amen. So we come near to God because we want to. We uh, seek first the kingdom of heaven because we want to. We desire what he has. So he becomes a desire of our heart. God loves that we love. And a desire after him. And he, you know, that's part of the reason why we have to seek, knock, and ask. God doesn't just do odd things automatically because it's all about relationship. And if you don't seek, you don't ask, you don't knock, you just wait for it to happen, you take it for granted. And so God knows humanity, He knows what we need to do. And so we seek after Him, it's a way of showing desire. And He answers. I can give you testimony to that because, you know, I look to the Lord for, for a message. I don't know what to, what to bring. And then he starts to answer, and it's an amazing thing. I love revelation. I love going into the Bible and seeing things in a new way, even though I've been studying it for like, what, 65 years? Since I could read. Uh, so, you know, but I find things still new. A whole new slant on things. Why is that? Well, because the Holy Spirit, he enjoys it when we enjoy him. Amen. All right, here's the fourth one. Uh, we should water the tree. Water your fruit tree. Your, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Nurture that. Practice that. Do that. God loves it when you're gentle, God loves it when you apply self control. God loves it when when you love Him. God loves it when you enter the joy of the Lord and express His joy. Water it. Whatever is good, think on those things. Practice those things. Amen. I know I'm telling you things you probably already know, but I don't know. For me, it's uh, like, okay, you know what? It's not not complicated. Uh, The Bible tells you exactly how to find a closer relationship with Him, and you do and you move in that way so you water the fruit tree nurture it use it the se- uh, last next thing is uh, selflessness god loves selflessness he does not he does not like selfishness but he likes selflessness why because it's in his nature jesus gave himself god so loved the world that he gave jesus gave himself for the world and he loves it when we give when we give In every way, when we're selfless. He, in fact, loves even when we still love, even when we love the world. Do you think God loves the world? He still loves the world. He gave his son for the world. And he's not not indifferent to the world. He's not waiting to, to cast brimstone and fire on the world. He hates evil. He hates sin, but he doesn't hate the world. He wants people to come to him. And, uh, you know, it says of the Holy Spirit, this is, here's a new slant that I got on this. The Holy Spirit comes into the world, it says in John 16, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. But you know what? That's a grace. You know why? Let's take another example. If we are warned about global warming, that's not a judgment. It's so that we can do something to avoid it. If we're, the Lord comes to convict of sin, it's not because, like, you're going to get thumped. But he's telling you that there will be a judgment on sin. It's a fact. It's not because he's being mean or capricious. It's because that's the way it is. Sin has to be judged. Otherwise, sin would go on for eternity. Which means that evil would go on for eternity. I wouldn't want to live in evil for all of eternity. That's called Hell. I want to live in God's presence. So when he comes to convict of sin, it's to dispose of it. If he comes to to convict you and me of sin, it's not because he's, he's mad at us. It's because he wants to get rid of something that will otherwise hurt us or destroy us even. So it's a different understanding when the Holy Spirit, I'm glad the Holy Spirit convicts. I'm glad the Holy Spirit disciplines because that makes me a son. Amen. That's how I know I'm a son, and you know when he can. Conve- I mean, you know, I mean, if you've been a dad, sometimes uh, you yell at your kids because they're not listening. So sometimes the Holy Spirit does seem to yell at me, <laughs> uh, but I'm not, I'm not unhappy with that because I know it's out of love. Amen. So so, so um, selflessness, and that includes uh, the Holy Spirit coming. To convict. He is being selfless when he convicts. Almost there. Peacemakers. There are two things in the Bible, two criteria that are like birthmarks on a child of God. The first one is, in Romans 8, it says, those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And the next one is when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So peace is not just uh, resolving conflict. Peace means bringing uh, order into chaos. Peace means bringing comfort into panic. Hello? We're living in fearful moments. This is a fearful time. Men's hearts will fail them for fear in the last days. What do we do in those circumstances? The church needs to be peacemakers. That brings peace into a difficult situation. Not more criticism, not telling you, ha-ha, you're getting what you deserve. No, peace into that situation. Speak peace into it speak order into the chaos. Speak order. The chaos is a spiritual event. There are spiritual powers that are here to shake the world and create chaos just turn on the news. There's chaos everywhere. We're to speak peace into those things. And I would declare, I would say that we need spiritual power from on high in order to speak peace into some of the circumstances we're in right now. You know what? Uh, It's above our pay grade at the moment. You know, we've been praying against the pandemic all along. Why isn't it budging? Well, it's above our pay grade, that's why. This is a world-dominating spirit that we as little individuals can't totally... Uh, get at ourselves there has to be a co- co- uh, coordinated concerted effort by the church against it and to prove, and to stand in that gap that takes a concerted effort i still believe the church is the answer to this but sometimes when we pray god answers and god answers in a way that we don't expect and we have to be ready to receive god's answer and that in that way as well but we have to be humble enough to know it's not the power of the church it's the power of the holy spirit So we need a bigger tap. Yeah. Peacemakers. We represent justice. We represent righteousness. We represent fairness. All of those things are, are things that create peace. It's not, we're not peacekeepers. We're peacemakers. Hallelujah. I think that's what the world needs right now more than anything else. No, during, during times of crises in the past, the church has believers, let's, let's say believers rather than an institutional church, the believers have stepped up. And so uh, there have been many things that have been the outcome of, of prophecy or of people speaking truth into things or even of God in a very miraculous way giving insight into doing something that, that you would not have thought. Uh, you know, when the Second World War came, some of the people were concerned because in Britain they were, they, they, was being threatened by a Nazi invasion, and they were asked, people asked, uh, people who were believers, came up to believers and say, I think, what do you think, are they going to invade? What, what do you think? And, and, and uh, this prophecy came through two different things, some, one of them was Janet's relatives, one of Janet's relatives, an uncle, or something, and uh, said this, I will put a hook in his nose and draw him off to the north. Shortly after that, he abandoned Britain and went for Russia. I think it's miraculous. Reese Howells was an intercessor, and he he prayed because the for the army he had a burden for to pray for the armies down in the Sahara Desert, and uh, they built a big pipeline to supply the the, uh, the German forces with water. And when they turned the pipeline on, he they they had prayed. He had prayed and fasted with his group, and uh, when they turned the water on, it was salt water. Kind of de- kind of destroyed all of that. God does work in miraculous ways, and this is a time when we need to step up. The church, the church is too busy worrying about its own status and its own its own uh, uh, what do you call it? Its press, you know how how it looks. Forget about it. Think about glorifying Jesus. Last one. Work ethic. Jesus said, my father's working until now and I'm working. We have to be ready to work while it's day. Paul says, uh, for me to die is gain, but to remain is fruitful labor. That's a work ethic. That's being ready to work while it's day and uh, what's the job well I ask the Holy Spirit because we all have a role to play and uh, so I asked the Holy I was I asked all these questions of myself by the way so I'm asking the Holy Spirit well, what's my job today you know what he told me feed my sheep okay I'll do that <laughs> so I'm hoping you've had something to eat today that you can take home and and will help strengthen you it's my heart for us as a fellowship to have that, a remarkable close encounter with the Holy, with Holy Spirit so that he comes in and he actually governs us and that we follow that lead. Hallelujah. And, you know, uh, I've, I've been in a meeting where the Holy Spirit took over, and, and it's a little disconcerting because as a leader, you feel you should be leading. <laughs> and the best thing I could do at the time was get out of the way. As the Holy Spirit was doing something, bringing a depth in, and I, I think we're going to see those things again, so don't get disconcerted if God just takes over and things happen. Uh, we're going to go with the flow, yeah? When we're, when when the river is flowing and we're out of our depth, well, that's good, uh, it, but the uh, main thing is we want to stay in the river, not not hop in and out, because you can have revival and the next day you're back in living the way you were, no good. We ought to have a consistent, continual relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that we are going to see remarkable things, but the big thing is this is for eternity and for life, not just for a momentary event. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray together. Are you ready to engage? Let's, maybe we can stand up together and just change our location. Thank you. Father, we thank you for your grace. The ultimate gift of God was you sent your Holy Spirit, Father. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. This is not going to be the Good Friday of the Holy Spirit. This is going to be, Lord, your glorious day, a resurrection day. We come, O Lord, humbly and ask that you will fill us with your spirit in a new and fresh way that you'll help us to engage with you in a way that is personal and close, one that uh, reflects your presence in our life. May we be sensitive to what you are calling us to do, but not just that, just be sensitive to your presence and enjoy your company. Lord, we want to enjoy your company. We w- that is the joy of the Lord. And in the end, when we do meet with you in person, one face to face, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Lord, we want to enter into that joy. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us that uh, down payment even today. So we pray together. So let's pray after me. Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you that you've come to live in me. I'm asking you to allow me To experience the glory that is Christ in me. Let me recognize what that means. Not just in theory, but in life experience. Lord, we are expecting. We are being sensitive. We are watching for. For your faithfulness. In dwelling in us, and that we may be faithful to express you through all that we do and say. We give ourselves to you now again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.